We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hello and welcome to The Interruption with Chandra Naya, the Global Institute for Tomorrow podcast. Today we're looking at the full spectrum of development, from the recent buzz surrounding the fourth industrial revolution, or IR 4.0, all the way down to pre-industrial basic needs. So Chandra, IR 4.0 is the name given to the rise of digital systems that enable connectivity, like automation and the internet of things. But can you give me a more in-depth description? Of the fourth industrial revolution? Yeah. Well, the fourth industrial revolution was coined, uh, I think, about two, three years ago, essentially by the World Economic Forum. And essentially, in a very uh, brief way, sets out um, the, uh, the idea that uh, having got, the world's gone through the first, the second, and the third industrial revolution. And the fourth one is essentially one that's dominated by the internet the digitization of our world and the internet of things. And that this revolution is essentially going to take humankind onto a very different trajectory. And therefore we have to be prepared. That in, in a very broad sense is what the fourth industrial revolution is. So building on from that, can you give us more information on what it actually means in the context of Asia? Right. Well, it's important to know what it, in terms of answering that question of what it actually means, we have to uh, also understand a couple of things. Who are the people saying this? Uh, secondly, we have to understand why are they saying this? And thirdly, we need to understand what is the world we live in, in our contacts in Asia or in ASEAN. The problem is so much of these uh, uh, descriptions of the way the world is going is essentially they are framed through narratives that are self-serving. The only people who are talking about all the upsides of the fourth industrial revolution are those who are either have a vested interest in the further development of technology, digital technology and the ability to monetize it, or those who are so aligned to that uh, technology sector who see all they are essentially success, their business interests, or all their ability to share platforms with the giants of technology is so important that they find no means by which to be more objective. So they just talk about it. Sadly, we live in a world in which uh, most of the media uh, fulfill that sort of need to essentially follow, pursue what is the flavor of the month or flavor of the decade, uh, advertising, association with tech companies is something they feel they have to do to question them, uh, which they've begun to question purely from the point of view of how technology is disrupting uh, democracy in the mm -hmm. Western world. But other than that, they don't question it. So that's why. Right. We in this part of the world, sadly, and I spoke, uh, I've spoken about the need for us to have our own narrative, our own media, uh, just consume this without in any way questioning it. And so I have written about the need for us to question, to challenge, not to reject, uh, and then to find out which bits are suited, but then to say what are our priorities. So in a very simple way, I've said, the priorities we need 
are essentially fulfilling the basic needs which have not been fulfilled for the first industrial revolution uh, in many parts of, of Asia. Right, yeah. And what I call the rights to life. And in a very simple way, I would uh, uh, distill it to five pillars. The first is food safe and secure. Safe food is a big topic in itself, particularly in the world that we're living in. Um, secure supplies are going to be the challenge of our times because of the nature of um, the population increase and the nature in which we have industrialized. Second, then it would be essentially providing people with water and sanitation. Mm. And uh, the irony is today, more people have access to digitization and mobile devices than they have access to toilets or portable water systems. Uh, there is something wrong with this picture. So the same people who talk about it before the Industrial Revolution seem to have forgotten because they may live in California, New York, London, etc., or Singapore, or in Kuala Lumpur, uh, completely uh, uh, disconnected from the realities of the vast majority of people in this part of the region who don't have a toilet nor water supply. So that's the second one. Mm. The third one is essentially a roof over your head, which we in the classic um, language of the United Nations, it would be called a habitat that is safe and secure and provides yeah. many things. So that's very important. And that, is, that essentially creates the most basic human right. And in fact, having a roof over your head is a basic human right, and it's within the UN charters. But people don't talk about this as well. They seem to think that if you have a mobile phone and then you can become a tech entrepreneur, Maybe you can then do something that will enable you to buy a house. Yeah. I would turn it around and say for hundreds and hundreds of millions of people, in fact, uh, half a billion people or, or more, not half a billion, three, four billion people, um, the role of the governments is to essentially provide them with those basic needs first, which then therefore allow them to escape the drudgery of life and thereby become more economically productive. Yeah. So I've mentioned the, 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 the homes. Then it's essentially the right to access to a certain amount of energy. So energy poverty is, is a big issue in this part of the world. And we're not talking about energy that allows you to run three air conditioning units because it's hot outside in Singapore. Uh, we're talking about the basic needs of energy access. Uh, a bulb, etc. And lastly, it's uh, it's what I call public health. Most people don't have access to the most basic right. of public health, uh, including most of us cannot imagine what life would look like uh, without a dentist. Yeah. But for most people in the world, there is no access to a dentist. So think about that. And then we can talk about all these other diseases, etc. So those are the basic rights of life. And those are the things that governments should see as meeting the basic needs. And if those are meant, and at the same time, uh, the Fourth Industrial Revolution is an overlay around that, which allows for people to live better lifestyles, then fine. But just talking about the Fourth Industrial Revolution without any qualifications and contacts, uh, I think is a rather lazy, intellectually inept way of discussing the state of humanity. Yeah. With everything that you've mentioned, it, what immediately stands out to me is the rural-urban divide. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of these issues that you've discussed, the five, the five points as you raised, 
occur in rural regions. So does that mean IR 4.0 is targeted at, at urban regions specifically, or will there also be winners and losers in urban places? I think there is a, a strong rural-urban divide issue in what I'm saying, but let's be very clear. Uh, the Those who have uh, migrated to what I've called unworkable cities, cities that are essentially not going to address the fundamental issues, have become traps for many people. And IR 4.0 is not going to help them because the biggest issues in the tropical cities and the large Asian cities, etc., is still the same things. Basic housing, water and sanitation, electricity, probably not as much in the rural areas, but still affordable electricity, public health access, education, food. Um, uh, the, more, the poorer sections of the community today, because of the, the nature of our food supply systems, and you can see it in the developed world as well, are essentially more susceptible to eating bad food, therefore obesity, uh, diabetes, and all of those things. These are no longer, from a food consumption point of view, the rich, uh, the, the disease of the rich, the disease of the poor. So there is an urban-rural divide, but it's very much as we urbanize and create what I think are highly unequal and unmanageable cities, very much an urban problem too. Just suggesting that somehow people are all going to be connected by the internet is again, I think, um, uh, irresponsible, foolish, naive. You know, uh, take your pick. But I think, um, I believe even Bill Gates uh, two years ago uh, suggested that uh, connectivity, which is the whole IR 4.0 mm. sort of thesis, is highly overrated. And I think. Uh, right. I just for the record want to say, I said this before Bill Gates, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's highly overrated. And let's face it, much of the connectivity is essentially socially useless time wasting. Yeah. Given these issues and the rural urban divide we talk about, let's, let's focus in on something specific, which is kind of the center of the IR 4.0 hype, right? It's automation. Can you deny that the technology in IR 4.0 provides like, great leaps and bounds in, in production capacity for, for companies and manufacturers all across the world? And is this not a positive thing? Absolutely, you can't deny it. And in fact, that's why it's the mantra of business. Okay. It's the mantra of governments who see economic growth and social stability through the lens of an old-fashioned definition of productivity, make more, quicker, cheaper, with, with, uh, and extract more. Mm. But the two elements to this, which I want to kind of simplify, firstly, these ideas again come from a Western economic, uh, mental and economic uh, mindset. The idea of productivity was always, in economic terms, about we have a lot of resources. Now we need to turn these resources into essentially material wealth or improving quality of life of people. Therefore, you want to use these resources as quickly as possible so that they can be essentially monetized 
and enjoyed by people if I can use that. So the terminology I would use is, so if you're Europeans and you landed in the, the new world called North America, and you get rid of the native Indians, that's a different thing. Then you see this huge amounts of forest, water, lakes, and all of those things. First thing you need to do is build roads or build, build homes. Now, you can build homes uh, by essentially doing it the slow way, but then you employ technology. So the quicker you can cut trees, the quicker you can do it, technology intervenes, the faster yeah, you build. Yeah. People's quality of life improves, but the resources are almost unlimited in relation to the population. Right. That definition of productivity, and which is uh, a terrible indictment of the shallowness of uh, economic theories, still persists. They have no new ideas. But today we have a different dilemma around the world, but let's pretend that the Americans believe they still have abundant resources, but let's just go to inner Southeast Asia. We have a different problem. Or China, or India. We have lots of people, limited resources. So why would you try and measure productivity by how can you take as much as you can as quickly as possible, and if that requires displacing labor with the tools of productivity, which is mechanization, that's great. That's a, such an old definition. Mm. Our dilemma is different. We have, we have lots of people, little fewer resources which should be shared. Therefore, you want to measure productivity through how can uh, large populations be deployed productively to work, and I say slowly, to use limited resources that will cannot be based on an equation that there is a limitless, limitless resource, right, so wastage, yeah. etc. So productivity becomes a very different measure. So our challenge is very different. It's the same with fisheries. If you had a lot, if you had a global po world population with about a billion people, the world seemed, the ocean seemed limitless in terms of the amount of fisheries. So we devised ways in which to catch as much fish as we can as quickly as possible. Today, we have a world in which the oceans are almost empty and you have a population of the planet which is essentially um, increased by five, six times in a hundred years. Why would you try and catch, catch fish faster for the productivity results and the economic benefits of a fishing company? Mm. You would completely do this differently. Now, this is so obvious and logical, yet economics has moved, not moved from that. So same thing. Now, let's produce more and more stuff. And the better way to produce it is the machines. The problem with that is twofold, right? One is just increasing consumption. Deploy, depleting resources much faster. So today you can cut a 500-year-old tree in the forest of Kalimantan in basically a day and take it out with a helicopter technology. Mm. 50 years ago, it took 20 people to go and cut it, let it uh, fell it, then drag it out to the nearest town. It probably took two, three months. Mm. So. So our ability to deplete is now so much fun at a time when our populations are largest. So, so that's, that's the thing about, yes, it is faster, but do we need to do that, do it that far? The second element of it is in all of these countries, we have so many people. We have young populations arising. 
Why would you want to displace labor with machines? We need people to work. I mean, just in Indonesia, uh, I think someone mentioned there's over a hundred, uh, not someone, but the fact is there's more than a hundred cities with populations over a million people. Go to India, go to China. And if you go to these cities, you will see so many young people without uh, fruitful labor, I mean, without meaningful labor, uh, work to do. But if you sit in Geneva and California, uh, you have no idea what this world looks like. You have never been there. And then these people are espousing this crazy idea. So you have the problem of why would you displace? Why would a place like India need robots when you need, uh, when you need people to work? Now coming back to Bill Gates and why I said things before Bill Gates. Um, Bill Gates a few, a few a year ago talked about that you need to tax robots because then you start putting a levy on the use of robots. And because part of the reason robots are now being used is essentially uh, the, 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 the price of capital is cheaper than the price of labor. So you can essentially uh, marginalize labor. Yeah. So Bill Gates suggested, I think this year, year uh, uh, sometime last year, that essentially we need a tax robot. I've been saying this for the last three, five years. <laughs> tax robot. Then we start to create a very different economic structure. And the governments have an instrument. The last thing I would say is, I would rather may buy something that's made by human beings than robots. Yeah. So I collect carpets. Do I want a thing made by a, a robot? No. The lines be perfect? Yes. I want the imperfections of human endeavor. Clearly, you know, um, uh, I, I want to fly in a safe plane. And, uh, but we've been doing that for years. So let's have human de deployment, but for the simple reason that if humans don't work, we create a huge difference, uh, a huge, um, uh, what can I say, uh, erosion of how societies are held together. But finally, if people don't work, who will buy the things the robots make? And only in the West can they talk about something called the, is it called the minimum? Um, there's a sort of minimum compulsory wage that every person will get. And that's fair, fine if you have, you live in Switzerland or the United States, maybe, where you have all these financial structures, etc. But in India, Indonesia, there is none of this, what they call the minimum compulsory. Not, it's not a wage, it's essentially a, uh, uh, you're guaranteed a minimum salary, etc. You can't do this in the developing world. So who will buy the things that the robots make? Who? That's the big question. Maybe, maybe they've got a plan the robots will. <laughs> yeah, when AI goes wrong, we've all seen Terminator. Um, well, this has been a this has been a bit of a journey because we started off talking about technology. We've we seem to have moved on to issues which span from the individual level to the global, right? At individual level, people can be put out of work at a very simple... But that's an economic level. issue. Yeah. And the, the, the challenge of times where essentially the purveyors of uh, the power of technology, the owners of technological uh, innovations, essentially seek to displace labor. Yeah. This, is the, this is the final frontier. This is in many ways, in my view, the last war. Interesting. Right. So I see... I've sometimes joked the last war will be between the people and the robots. 
and the owners of the robots will call us the terrorists. Right. 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 Yeah. And we'll just have to unplug them. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, exactly. So individual unemployment, global level, an economic model that seems to have some fallacies at the moment with technology at its center, that unless it's aimed towards sustainability. Yeah, and I cannot see governments in large developing worlds, although uh, large developing countries, who now seem to be seduced. And this is also the subservience of the Asian and business leaders. Uh, they're just uh, consumed by this, this fashion. But I cannot see them when the rubber hits the road, not saying, what are we doing? Because there'll be so many people displaced mm. and all this fiction that somehow AI will create jobs for all these people. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And please do not think I am against technology, but technology is a place and it's meant to serve the needs of human programs, not to essentially start to erode human programs yeah. by creating a divide. We need to be asking that questions, but we don't seem to be asking that. The only people promoting this are those who do not seem to have roots in these these regions where the 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 front line of the challenge of humanity in terms of the constraints and they seem to be the ones who will profit from this we need to fight this and you know i think um it's a time it's a, there's a time to fight the machine this is the time i think that's a fantastic line to end on thank you very much chandran so if you're interested in the future of sustainability, please check out our content on the GIFT website. That's www.global-ints.com. We also have a Facebook page, so please send along your questions and we'll answer them in our Q&A section. Just search for The Interruption by Chandra Nayan. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. No, sir.